Hi, and welcome back to the show, the Old Man Playlist podcast full of choice tracks. I'm Brandon. I'm Damon. I'm Dietrich. And I'm Taj. Welcome to a very special episode of Choice Tracks. Uh, we are doing things a little bit different this time. So it is getting towards the end of summer. The kids are going back to school and the summer blockbusters, summer blockbuster movies are at an end. And we probably won't see any other big movies until October and November. So what better time than to talk about some of our favorite movie themes, some of our favorite themes, our favorite scores from uh from the movies and uh yeah are we ready to do this yep although i need your ticket ticket please ticket. <laughs> popcorn popcorn <laughs> this is a free show, right? that's, that's a baseball park my bad my bad my bad <laughs> Ooh, all right all silent so let's go ahead and drop that needle on the record and we'll start going through our favorite choices so we all pick three of Three themes from movies that we really like. Uh, not made, and I will tell you that these are not necessarily my favorite, but they are three that came to mind. Three that I really like. Um, and so I'm going to go ahead and get the ball rolling. So the first one that I picked was actually the theme from the movie Unbreakable. And the track title is called Visions. Unbreakable is a movie that came out in 2000. It was directed by M. Night Shyamalan. The music was composed by James Newton Howard. He is a composer. He's been around a very long time. Uh, he has won so many awards, yet he's not won an Academy Award yet. Uh, it might happen one of these days. Um, just really quick, some information about the song, uh, or, well, about the score itself, is that M. Night Shyamalan had already worked with James Newton Howard on Sixth Sense, and immediately uh, he was on board to do Unbreakable. That was the follow-up to Sixth Sense. Uh, what was interesting is that M. Night actually showed James Newton Howard the storyboards for the whole movie. So he actually got to kind of see what the movie was going to be like before they started shooting it. And uh, they kind of decided that they wanted to come up with some kind of music where right away when you hear the theme, like you, you can identify the movie immediately. And they decided to simplify the score as well, kind of minimalize the instruments where they just use strings, trumpets and piano with a very limited orchestra. Uh, I love the movie Unbreakable and I love this score. I especially like this track. I think this track kicks all sorts of butt. I want to, I love playing this, this album and I especially like this track. It just gets me energized. It gets me pumped and talking about how they wanted to come up with a theme that you can identify the movie. This was used in perfection at the very end of Split. At the very end of Split, it's revealed that it's part of the same universe as Unbreakable and they use the cue from this song, Vision, right before they, they introduced Bruce Willis. And right when I heard it, I'm like, oh, this is an Unbreakable movie. And that's how I identify. Like, I, when I hear this, I think of this movie. I think movie, movie scores, you know, are synonymous with a film. And this is one where you hear it right away and you know the movie. Um, anyway, that's my choice. What do you guys think? So, um, it, I, I liked it. Uh, if I remember, is this the one where he's uh, doing the Union Station 
where he's reaching out his hands and and trying to get glimpses of people as they walk by. It it is used in that scene. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. It, I so I love Unbreakable. I've only seen it a few times, but I do like it. Um. It, for some of these, like I couldn't immediately put it with the movie. Like if I if I like listen to it, I couldn't immediately put it with the movie. But it was a good one. The the one thing I wanted to say, uh, and just kind of to to uh <laughs> anyways the one thing i wanted to say is like that uh when that drum beat comes in um at the beginning it's like brandon it's like now i know that you secretly like 90s music because this is like when that drum beat comes in like i expected like dido or <laughs> paula cole or nandrea uh natalie in whatever her name is like it's a total like 90s drum beat that comes in there on that part and i was like yeah Brandon likes the nineties. <laughs> <So. laughs> no, this came out in 2000. I know, but the trophy <laughs> is totally 90. It sounds like Enigma, the band Enigma is what you're talking about. Oh yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like the nineties. Uh, yeah. Cool no, but like I said, I could see Dido or, or Paula Cole or Natalie in the, in the, what's her name? But yeah. Earlier. Yeah. So it, it, cause that's totally a drum beat that they would drop. And then you could hear them come in and singing. It's like, Right. Yeah. <laughs> that says more about you than about me. Todd. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but yeah. Is that okay, a, did so. you say it's a Marvel based uh, no. movie? No, no, it's it's not. It's M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night, oh, sorry. He makes it seem like a Marvel kind of movie. Like I, it does have that superhero villain and, and, and villain feel. Well, I mean, this I, movie definitely predates everything that Marvel has been doing. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not like a it even huge... predates Blade, doesn't it? No, Blade came out oh. first. Okay, <laughs> but I, I was gonna say that um, it, while it's not Marvel in the sense, it does have the superhero type feel to it, more like a Matrix style of of, of kind of feel to it, and. You could yeah. definitely tell that it's it's going in a direction that it makes you want to listen. So, and at, I just have to bring this up. Out of what was it three movies that were made for the situation? What's your mm-hmm. favorite? Oh, uh, you mean the M Night movies? Right. The like Unbreakable, Split, and Glass. Mm-hmm. It's easily Unbreakable. Okay. Like I, I don't even have to think twice about that. It is Unbreakable, hands down. I think is a phenomenal movie. Uh, I love Unbreakable. I, to me, I actually kind of like Split more, just just because of the whole uh, multiple personality disorder situation that comes into effect. But that's that. I mean, that's me. And plus, um, the the girl that was the you know lead protagonist in it, like her lower look is like so uh, like unique that the scariness in her eyes, uh, I kind of felt that in that situation. So, like you never know what you're gonna expect, and she didn't know what she to to expect. So what what makes Unbreakable very unique for me is that. <laughs> It's a two hour movie that only has kind of like a, a, an act one. Most mm-hmm. superhero movies will spend 30 to 45 minutes doing what Unbreakable did for two hours, right? right? Because like normally the very end of Unbreakable happens within like the first 40 minutes in a Marvel movie, but instead mm-hmm. it took two hours to get there. And I think that's what makes it so, so unique and, and just. Ah, man, I, I, I just, and I also went into Unbreakable like opening night, not knowing what the movie was about because gotcha. the trailer did not say anything. And immediately when the title comes up about comic books, I'm like, what? I thought it was going to be a completely different movie. 
Yeah, right. and, yeah. It's just to me that movie is something is, is very special, and but I I adore the score. Um, and I I I have it on CD. I've scratched my CD, and I have it on vinyl too. So yeah. anyway, yeah, yeah. I love the build up, and that's that's why I think I liked a, a lot about it was the actual build up. But then seeing the the other side of it, you know, formulating into a situation in order to to add to the storyline. That's why I think I like. I like the fact to split a little more. I love villain movies. That's what I love. I love, I don't, I, I, I see superhero movies. They're great. They're grand, but I love the villains in the movies. I love the ones that actually have character depth and actually, you know, come out at, at a situation where you have to be, you have to understand that they're formidable. They're not just your run of the mill type of idiots that are running around and thinking they could do, do something. They're cutting for a reason. They're villains for a reason. So, I don't know. That's why I kind of like that situation. But, yeah, this was definitely a great score, and I like it a lot. Nice. Damon, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, so, like, I I think I agree with you, Dietrich. Like, I like Split the most out of all the three. Glass ties in Unbreakable, right? Like, you know for sure that that's part of it by then, right? Right, yeah. I think I've seen all three of them, yeah. Um, yeah, I like Bruce Willis in this. I think he's, you know, excellent actor. And but like, he's... Know does a really good job in this movie uh the split who's the actor again in split he's like a i think he's james mcavoy oh, okay yeah mm-hmm. i don't know if, is he british <laughs> yeah. Sure. yeah he's yes. british yeah, but his british. his like did he he was he must have won awards for that i mean i know we're not talking about split but like he did a really good job with going back and forth of the characters and uh i think i like that the most because it was like a horror based kind of movie you know what i mean split was but unbreakable this song too yeah visions it's like pretty cool i like the uh i like how it's i like or i like orchestra instrumental music and a lot of these scores obviously are that but yeah this that that flows really well with it um definitely definitely like the movie but yeah that was a good pick man cool i like where you're coming from with it so cool nice all right who's next um, I'll, I'll go and go. So, Aww. That's so cute. <laughs> that's so cute. So, um, since I was razzing you about 90s, I'm going to go total 90s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the score I picked, so what I was going for was stuff that was iconic, but wasn't stuff that I, I was trying to kind of avoid John Williams. Um, John Williams makes a lot of really iconic stuff, but I was trying to get stuff that was you instantly knew what the movie was when you heard it. And I don't think there's any other more iconic than Top Gun. <laughs> and so I picked the, the, uh, the Top Gun and it's the, uh, Top Gun anthem. That is just like, iconic you know what it is because the instant that guitar <laughs> starts wailing in you're like oh shit <laughs> and you know um it just builds that that uh ambiance and then it comes in and you're like oh this this is a mom- monumental moment you know um but yeah it's there's no way you hear this and you know you don't think about slow motion walking <laughs> into action or flying a plane really fast like you know um and plus, you, you kind of want somebody to narrate over you while you're playing this. So, but yeah, um, but yeah, <laughs> what did you guys think? 
I love that song. I like the begin like the the dong. Like that's just right. so cool. You know, you know that they're about to kick whoops some fucking ass, and uh, right. <laughs> it's probably coming from the sky. So look the fuck out, assholes, because you got a bunch of uh, beer drinking. Uh, karaoke scene and motherfuckers coming <laughs> and he rides a motorcycle with hot chicks on the back so don't even fuck with him uh, but, but no helmet wear a helmet kids yeah wear a helmet and uh, yeah Maverick he's like a magician is that what it is yeah he's the magician in the air no this is this song's so cool this brings me back to being a kid and like Seeing something for the first time on the big screen or like, you know, even at home with the VHS from fucking Blockbuster because that's all we fucking had <laughs> or some weird way of watching it. I don't know. It was Blockbuster for me. But yeah, <laughs> that was like, whoa, what the hell is going on? My little world sucks. And these guys are doing what? <laughs> Although now I look back at it and like these guys are cheesy as hell. And yeah, they yeah. suck. <laughs> but yeah, um, no, that was that was a great uh that's a great pick. Yeah. Yeah. I, and it is a great choice. I, I think it definitely, for me, it's, 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 it does exactly what a movie theme should do. Like it's iconic. You know, the film right when you hear it, even all these years later, it brings you back. If you hear that piece of music, you're like, Oh yeah. Top gun. Right. Like there's some movie scores where it's like, I don't know where that's from, but you hear just a few notes. And you're like, yeah, that's top gun, man. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think it's great. I mean, you know, it, it works. And uh, the composer, I don't know if you said his name is Harold Faltermeyer. And not only did he make a great thing with Top Gun, but he also did Beverly Hills Cop and he did Fletch. And when I hear those pieces of music, I immediately know what movie it is. So that guy knows how to uh, how to craft a, a song for sure. So, uh, yeah, great choice, man. I mean, yeah. And that's a blockbuster. Wait, right. and it's great. It's it's awesome that you picked it too because I mean, Top Gun Maverick this summer was the biggest movie and one of the biggest movies of all time. So you no had spoilers. to pick it. I'm glad spoilers. you did. <laughs> right. So anyway, right. now man, uh, anytime, anytime I hear a fraction of this theme, uh, my mind automatically goes back to different scenes from the movie. And the first one is, I feel the need. <laughs> The need for speed. And it's like, it's like jolts me right back to being a kid and watching the movie all over again, wanting to go fly fighter pilot planes and, and, and looking up planes. And, and all of a sudden, next thing I know, I'm like, yeah, I'm not about to do that shit. <laughs> because I, I realized, you know, once Goose was gone, I'm like, yeah, I'm done. I, I can't do it. I'm not, uh-uh. It's not me. Yeah, Goose is a fun guy, too. It's like, yeah. Yeah, Goose was, I mean, Goose was the heart. You know what I'm saying? So, right. so with Goose gone, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not about to do that. And I don't want to have a, a wingman named Iceman because I'm thinking he's going to be cold and leave my ass out there dry. <laughs> so now I'm done. But now nah, this was a beautiful score, beautiful pick, man. I cannot be mad at you for, for picking something that's so iconic. And yeah, it definitely did break records, uh, this, this year. So, uh, as far as, uh, the sequel, which took, you know, forever and a day to come out with, but I'm not mad because the actual production of it was really good. So we're good. And then really quick, I just want to say I rewatched the original Top Gun before the new one. Um, Iceman is a reasonable person and he's not a villain. <laughs> right. Really? He's not a Val Kilmer in this one? No, I'm talking about in the original Top Gun. In the original. I never, like, you know, for the longest time, I used to go, oh, yeah, Iceman. He's like his nemesis. And then when I rewatched it right before I went to go see the new one, I'm like, 
No, he's reasonable. You're <laughs> you're out of order yeah. here, Tom Cruise. He doesn't have that love and feeling. He's not he's not getting down and shit. So he's just trying to be real realistic. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Cruise is literally like an antihero in this situation. But yeah. But Iceman played it by the book too much. And that's no, he didn't. No, he didn't. <laughs> he was just protecting his his wingman. <laughs> He's like, dude, you guys are fucking nuts. I'm just trying to fly some planes. Right. <laughs> he, he, felt, he felt the pressure. You can't tell me he did not feel the pressure. He wanted to be top. He wanted to be top of class. It is what it is. But he did feel that pressure, though. Yeah. 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 But, yeah, but Tom Cruise is a bit of a bit of an asshole because, like, he leaves the volleyball game right when they're about to win. Then goes late to a date. And then he's like, can I take a shower while she has dinner ready? And she's like, hell no. Like. <laughs> like, Bro, that's but that's some cojones right there. Yeah, yeah, some cojones. But did, did he not get the fuck though? Did he not need to get it in? He got it in. All right. And yeah. guys, is, he's Maverick. He's a magician, dude. He's, he's a Maverick, man. He's a Maverick. Maverick for a reason. <laughs> right. That's for sure. <laughs> anyway, all right. Uh, who wants to go next? I'll go. I'll go. So. Oh, sorry. Do you want to go, Dietrich? You got it. <laughs> Dietrich, do you want to go? I'll go last. I'll go last. You got yeah. it. You got it. Do it. Thank go, you. Damon. <laughs> go, Damon. Go, Damon. Uh, okay, go. so um, right off the bat, <laughs> we got a uh, different, different theme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, probably that's not my, me. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, Planet of the Apes. You guys have seen, everybody's seen like the newer movies. Um, some of them are good, some of them are pieces of shit, but, uh, <laughs> just straight up, you know, but, um, yeah, Jerry Goldsmith did, uh, the score for this and he's like a fucking master at all things he does. One of my favorites for sure. Um, I picked, there's a song or part of the score, like an instrument, this is like the original instrumental soundtrack. Uh, there's a song called the hunt. So in Planet of the Apes, they're like, it's, you know, these humans crashing in this foreign place. They don't know what the hell's going on. And then um, the scene, you know, build up to the scene, the hunt, it's like, you know, they're trying to figure out what's going on on this planet. Then they, they realize, okay, there there are living things here. They're not human. Why are they apes wearing clothes and doing all this crazy shit? Um and then they, they, you know, fast forward a little bit, they come upon, you know, other humans, right? And they're like, why are you doing this? They don't speak English. Okay, what's going on? Uh, all of a sudden, they're getting chased. They're getting hunted by these ape uh, clothes wearing, I guess they speak English. <laughs> In some, like, distant future or whatever this is. Uh, yeah, so they all speak English. That's a new one. Um the hunt is like it, it starts out like like right off the bat just like fast music and then you hear this horn you're like what in the hell is it? like you know this is like some kind of ceremonial or like you know it's like warrior horn or something and that's in the music and that's so that sticks out to me so much and i think the horn was like a special like like an african horn that like was used for um i think it might have been used in wartime i'm not really sure but it was definitely unique and it's not like synthesized. So I thought that was kind of cool. I think Jerry Goldsmith goes above and beyond with his music, but, uh, 
Yeah, Charlton Heston's the main actor in this. Uh, the producer is Arthur Jacobs. Um, and uh, yeah, no, this is like, this is probably uh, one of my favorites. I, I got my wife the the box set. It's like a huge fucking box set because they made so many Planet of the movies after the first. And then, you know, just different scenarios and it goes on forever. But um, yeah, what, what are all your thoughts on this? So, so, oh, Tosh, go ahead. Okay, go I'll ahead. go really quick. I mean, you you have me at Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, Jerry Goldsmith is my favorite film composer of all time. So, you know, and I, I know Plan of the Apes. I know not only the franchise very well, but I also know the scores very well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a great choice. Any of the tracks that you picked, I'm going to say the exact same thing. Um, this definitely works. I mean, he he's a pioneer. You know, and, and he was also willing to, to change his sound. And, uh, yeah, it's such a unique score with the instruments that he uses. And, you know, definitely has a really good sci-fi flair to it. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it, awesome. It's awesome. And, you know, big fan of the, the, the franchise. There were five original Planet of the Eight movies. Um, and yeah, Jerry Goldsmith is, uh, he's 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 one of the greats for sure, and uh, I wish he was still composing. But unfortunately, he passed away in two thousand four. So yeah, anyway. that's unfortunate. But you you left the legacy, man. You left so much behind. So yeah, yeah I, I I can't even count right now. I mean, how many scores <laughs> I have by him? I, have, I think we talked about some, and we were just like, we need to do a whole fucking episode on this guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I got a I have a huge collection of Jerry Goldsmith stuff and. This is one of them, and yeah, it's phenomenal. My my runner up to to this with a Jerry Goldsmith, I believe he did Aliens, right? He did Alien. Uh, Alien, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Alien. Yeah. So that's yeah, that was my runner up, Alien. Uh, yeah. yeah, big difference between Alien and Aliens, folks. But yeah, and composers too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and the composers and directors. So <laughs> everything basically. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Scorny Weaver is about the only thing that, yeah. Right. Yeah. And the alien, yeah. No, it's a different alien. <laughs> <laughs> no. There's not just one alien in the second one. That's why it's called Aliens. But it's the same type of alien is what I'm trying to say, yeah. <laughs> is it, though? I think it's like a distant cousin or... I'm distant sure. cousin. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, so for me, um, okay. So it's memorable and it's iconic. I'll give you that. Um, it, it's, so it's, here's what, what gets me. It's this thing where like coming out of the fifties, going into the era of planet of the apes, like 60s, 70s, like uh, sci-fi needed to be deconstructed jazz. Like it was a weird, like it needs to be like weird, like, We'll throw this xylophone note in, you know, like out of nowhere. And it's like a little off kilter, like jazz. It's like the, like really super modern jazz, but it's the deconstructed jazz. And, um, you know, it just, yeah, for me, it's like ice pick to the forehead, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's like, um, uh, yeah, not my cup of tea. I, I, I'm not. I'm not a big deconstructed jazz person. <laughs> and so, um, and what's interesting is like coming after this, like when 2010, the Space Odyssey happened, like they were like, oh, we don't have to do this weird, crazy jazz music for any sci-fi movie. We can do normal music for sci-fi movie. But in this era, everything sci-fi had this weird, like 
well, it's the crazy future, so we have to have crazy music with it type of thing. And so that's where it was, yeah. But again, totally memorable and iconic. You can, you can pretty much place it exactly, uh, for the, for the movie, especially when that horn comes in, like you said. Um, but yeah, not, <laughs> not a, not a huge fan, but I, I you know, it's good. <laughs> so. <laughs> so you don't like deconstructed jazz, so that means you don't like Star Trek. <laughs> I like Star Trek. The, no, no, it's oh, we're scratching yeah, that one yeah. off, man. You're but, but deconstructed the, motherfucker. This guy yeah. really deconstructed. Like this is this is like you you Same took time. <laughs> Yeah. Wait, what Ooh, I don't know deconstructed jazz. I know. <laughs> I gotta listen to some deconstructed jazz. Look, I didn't get that from this song. <laughs> It's the thing because you're not thinking about it that deep, and that's that's right. okay because you take it at yeah. face value, which is what I did. And I was like, okay, this is this is memorable. This definitely you know holds true to form for the movie itself, and you know, especially for the time and what you came out with. And I understand where you're trying to come from, Taj, and 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 to an extent, but to me, that's what formulated sci-fi to begin with. Like mm-hmm. that's what gave it its presence. That's what gave it its tone. Like, if you take away that and just make it normal music in a sense, then you really don't have a feel for what's supposed to be going on here. You don't have a separation between normal and abnormal. And so that's why I'm like, this makes sense for the time frame of what you came out with. And I like it. I love it. And I'm all for it. But I'm I'm not trying to throw you up against the Star Trek folks. I'm not trying to get you, like, outed of any conventions or anything. I was just trying to to make a comparison of the point. It was like, if you did not have that little whirl in the back and, and the and the orchestrated jazz going on in the background, you would not have had such an iconic sound because right. you wouldn't have had nothing to put it towards. For, for sure. For sure. So, and, and I want to say, cause I, it, and just to make sure, cause like I thought if I remember correctly, it's been years since I've seen the first plan of the apes. So like this scene is like you, like they crash on, on, they crashed on a planet. Right. And they, they saw yeah. humans and they saw other people in the distance but I thought the hunt was the very first time that they actually see that they're apes riding horses. Like you don't see anything up until the the hunt. Like you see people in the distance, but you can't quite make out who it is. And then they find the humans and they're like, okay, why are there primitive humans here on this alien? Cause they think they're on an alien planet. And then this is the first time you see, you know, somebody, another, cause I didn't think they saw the apes until the hunt. To that's the first time he sees him when he gets captured. Yeah, you're right. So they they get like they find like elements of of civilization. Yeah, and then they find like a, like an entrance to a place that has like landmarks and stuff and like a sculptures and yeah, and then their stuff starts getting taken from them and uh, yeah. But they uh, so they're like they're basically they're es- excavating the uh, the planet or the area and trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah, yeah, and then they see. You're right. So then they see the. Uh, <clears throat> been a while for me too. Yeah. So they see the uh, chase and what's going on, and you know, because they run into people that are like, you know, running around like cave people basically, right. and they're like, "Why are you wearing loincloths and shit?" <laughs> yeah. And then the you know, then they figure out okay, something ain't right. But yeah, scary as fuck. I got an ape coming at me like riding a horse with a, like a gun or something or whatever the hell they had. I'd be pretty, <laughs> pretty freaked out, man. <laughs> So. All, all right, Damon, or not Damon, Diedrich, you're next. What's your first choice? So my first choice that I'm going to go with is sticking along the, the theme of, of action and, and 
and drama and and all that wrapped up into one particular movie or, or a soundtrack, so to speak. And it's from one of the most iconic people that I could think of, especially for all the movies that he's been a part of and, and the stuff that I can literally rattle off the top of my head. Uh, Inception and a stellar gladiator, this particular soundtrack. Uh, he just won an Academy Award for Dune, the 2022 soundtrack. Um, and like this to me is the all time best DC movie. Everybody else can say what they want to say about it. But to me, this particular portion of the franchise actually like stood out above the rest. And it was probably because I went to go see it at, um, uh, what do you call it? IMAX theater. And when it first came out opening night and it was like, it was like surprised and threw me back. And it was like the best time that I ever had in such a giant film. And to see this film on that giant screen, like that did it for me. That was, that was my, that was my orgasm for the night. So, um, I'm talking about, uh, Hans Zimmer, Hans Florian Zimmer, uh, and the soundtrack itself is from The Dark Knight, Batman. So, um, I mean, I could go into his awards and, and talk about all the things and all the, the stellar awards and things that he's actually won um, from his accomplishments. But this one to me was like, that was like the creme de la creme. So what do y'all think about uh, The Dark Knight? So yeah, I I mean, well, for, first of all, you, you win the prize for the, the longest track <laughs> for this episode. <laughs> just, just letting you know. Uh, yeah, no, it's, um, it's amazing because it's, you listen to it and then, you're still listening to it, but it, it you don't ever really lose your interest in it. Like it, it keeps you going. Like it, it has its ebbs and flows, and uh, for as long as it is, like it, it keeps you enthralled for sure. The the mm-hmm. whole time you're listening to it, um, and you know, it's it's hard not to um, you know to vision stuff while you're listening to it. So, um, but yeah, a g- great pick. Um, you know, th- there's certain parts that are more iconic that that remind me of the movie, but uh, for sure it is a amazing pick. So yeah, yeah, especially for 2008, that was like that was the prime time. So everybody, you know, did get their little kind of 90s or going back to the 60s. I wanted to bring it up to my most up to date one that I picked. But yeah, I, I appreciate that. It definitely kept you involved and entangled in it. Yeah, and you know, Taj mentioned the track is really long. I think it's like 16 minutes. Um, but there's not there's not a dull moment in in the track. Um, and when you hear it, you definitely know that it's Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer has a sound, and mm-hmm. uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like I like a Hans Zimmer score. And also, James Newton Howard was also the, yes, uh, compo- the composer on there too. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, it's, it's iconic. You definitely know it's Batman. Uh, you know, you've done your job when you hear it and you know that it's part of the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, and again, like I said, it, there's not a dull moment. Um, I like a good Hot and Zimmer score. Um, I think winning Dune was, was, it was the right choice. Um, and, uh, I, I yeah, yeah, it's great. I mean, Hans Zimmer and Christopher Nolan, if they want to continue collaborating and team up, I'm totally down because I enjoy the scores that he does for his movies. So um, I really, really like Interstellar. That's a great score. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, great choice. Awesome. 
And the Lion King. I forgot about the Lion King. Those, yeah, 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 that's before I knew who Hans Zimmer was. You know, really. And you, and yeah, that's yeah. He just makes memorable, memorable uh, music. So oh, cool. Yeah, the Lion King is great. Let's let's talk about the Lion King. I don't care about the Dark Knight. I was kidding. Um, I. <laughs> so when Simba I listen to is the Dark Knight, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, he's like a shifter. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah. I'm Simba. Yeah. The the uh the Dark Knight is yeah, fucking awesome. Uh again, it's not like this song isn't even like in your face real fast. Like starts out pretty calm and slow, but I just picture like if I was Batman standing on the top of like a you know, a 25, 30 story building just looking down on all these pieces of shit that I'm about to ruin. Uh yeah. This is like the song for that, dude. It's like it's it's, you know, vengeance and, you know, accomplishment and just, you know, bad guy can fuck off music. But, yeah, this is this is like if I were to do a montage for like a workout, if I ever work out, do some jumping jacks, you know, this would be the music I'd be listening to pretending that I'm the dark knight. <laughs> so yeah, no, that's it, man. This is it. This is fucking the shit right here. And I love, yeah. Hans Zimmer's great, dude. That's cool. The collaboration with James, uh, Howard, James Howard or Newton yeah. Howard or. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Well, uh, that's the end of round one. Let's go ahead and go to round two. And, uh, yeah, I'll go, <laughs> I'll go ahead and start this round again. Uh, so, the next choice I picked was actually from 1992, and it's actually from Bram Stoker's Dracula. It's the title track, Dracula the Beginning, and it, the music was composed by Vorchek Kalar. Uh, he was a Polish composer. He actually started in 1959. Uh, his first English debut uh, album was actually Bram Stoker's Dracula. He was predominantly a composer for Polish films and European films. So Bram Stoker's Dracula was his first English language film. Um, I love this score. This is one that I love to play. Um, it, it is one of my favorites. Um, you know, I like the movie. Um, and sometimes I kind of think the score is the best part of the movie. Um, but I do, I do think the, the movie is good, but the score is just amazing. Um, definitely, if you've not heard his name, go check out some of his other stuff. Uh, he did s- some stuff with Roman Polanski that's phenomenal um, in the, the 90s and early 2000s. Um, this, uh, score actually won the ASCAP award, which is the American Society of Composers, Authors, and Producers. Um, this track I just think is so good. I mean, there's not a bad track on here for me, but this one definitely sets the mood for the movie. Um, it is just, it's, it's creepy. It has ambiance. You have, you know, the, the choir. And it just sets up the movie so well and you know what you're getting. And it's just, it's an amazing piece of six minutes. Um, it's, it's phenomenal. And like I said, the whole score is great. Definitely one of my favorites. If you haven't seen the movie, you should check it out. But more importantly, listen to the album because it's so good. What do you guys think? Listen to them. The children of the night. 
<laughs> the music they make. <laughs> That's a good voiceover, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm gonna try to become a voice actor at some point. Get paid for it. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> so, uh, it, I like the. I mean, I like how like the the track itself. Like it, it's like scary movie, like instant death in like one minute, and then like the rest of it is like you being the living dead because that's basically what it is. Like. It, it, the track kind of sets up what being a vampire is because it's like it kills you in one minute, but then you come back to life and then you get cursed with the whole choir coming in. You're like, okay, all right. It's not that you just came back to life, you're also, you know, demonically cursed. So it's like, like, yeah, imminent death on, yeah. on the rising. That's that's. That's what it reminds me of. And it, it definitely sets the tone for what you're about to watch and how you're about to watch it. And if it was not for that, you know, if you just had some like regular, regular, regular type sound, then it, it would totally take away from the ambiance that was supposed to be set for this movie. So, yeah, I, I definitely love it. I'm, I'm in it. I've watched that like a hundred times. I'm, I'm all for it. So all good. That was a good one. Sweet. Damon. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> what are you? What are your thoughts? Um, book me from my slumber. Uh, so yeah, Dracula is pretty cool. I think the yeah, Bram Stoker, badass. Uh, quick little story: my my wife's parents when they got their house, like I think it's a Long Island, New York. Um, this was probably the seventies. They were doing something with like reconstruction or remodeling and they open up a wall and a original Bram Stoker Dracula book came out. So they, I guess they were like putting stuff in the walls for insulation and they thought that would be a good piece of insulation. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, that was pretty cool. We got that sitting in the house. Um, yeah, this is like, this this song is like really cool. Like the, the music's terrifying, you know, uh, something's going to happen. It's not happening yet, but it's coming. And, uh, yeah, that's the dramatic buildup is like really cool. So that's what I, I like about that. I like the horror. I like horror instrumental a lot, actually, which is in almost every good horror movie. You're going to have a lot of instrumental, but yeah, Dracula being the best, you know, one of the, one of my favorites originals, you know, like with the Wolfman and all that, like that's, I gravitate to that kind of stuff. So yeah. Sweet. Dracula make an appearance on an Abbott and Costello or yeah, and Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's great. Um, all right. Taz, you want to go yeah, next? I'll go. Um, okay. So <laughs> I picked the track and I want to say the track probably got used more than for just the movie. Um, the track probably had a longer life <laughs> than the movie, but I may be wrong. Um, but the, uh, the movie that I'm picking, and I'm sorry, I'm just, marking something here real quick is um the rocketeer <laughs> and so the track that i'm picking is the main title track this one is oh i mean so as a kid we you know we watched the rocketeer a lot so um and this is What's interesting about this track, and and because we'll talk about it in other tracks, but like this one builds the 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 music, the orchestra kind of builds the the ambient noise of it. Like you can 
you know, you can see the sunlight, you can see the grass, you can, you know, um, you can feel the wind. And, and that's kind of what the score is. And so this is just that, you know, the one where in the, the other crazy thing is like this, the track itself is kind of how the pacing for the movie is, um, because every shot, because it's kind of in that weird, like um, 30s, 40s, uh, you know, it, you know, the, the pacing for, for the actors, it's like, you know, walk, stop, turn, hold pose, you know, and that's kind of how this track is. And it sets kind of that pacing for the movie because you, it's iconic. We're like, you know, like you don't see anything and then something comes o- over the top or, you know, and, but yeah, it's just iconic. And I want the reason why I say that this track had a longer life is because I feel like um, this track, like it, uh, you know, it came up in like other, like trailers later on, or I want to say that like for like the Oscars, like in memoriam, like this is a track that people would pick because it's one of those tracks that like, it just presents itself to being for other things. (laughs) And so I still think of the Rocketeer when I hear it, but you can use this track for, for, you know, (laughs) uh, for anything, you know, for like in memoriam or like, you know, honoring (laughs) people. (laughs) And so, um, but yeah, it's just, I think it's an iconic piece of music. So, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad. Go ahead, man. No, 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 go ahead. You go ahead. No, I was just going to throw in a sly little remark. I'm glad that this song brings you to death. All right. Cool. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying, I d- yeah, I know. What you okay, mean. go ahead, Brandon. You're good. <laughs> so, I, I, I mean, it's, it's a great piece of music. Um, and I don't think you mentioned the composer, James Horner. Yeah, he sorry. is. Uh, he was another one of the greats. Um, if you don't know him, look him up. You he, again. He he wrote, wrote some very memorable pieces of film music. Um, and yeah, it's a great choice. I think it was used probably in a lot of movie trailers. Um, maybe back in the nineties. But uh, the music definitely conveys the air that the movie take, takes place, and uh, it's very adventurous. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good piece of music. And, you know, it's another one when you tell me what it is, I knew what you were talking about. And, and that's, that's a clear sign that that's, that's, I, I just feel like I'm repeating myself. It's an amazing, amazing piece of music for sure. But anyway, yeah, good choice. I, I think, you know, it's not, well, not one I think of right away, but when you hear it, you're like, oh, yeah, that, that, that is really good. So, um, yeah, yeah, great choice. Thank you. Nice. I wasn't trying to make fun of, well, yeah, I was trying to make fun of you, so I just <laughs> wanted to throw that out there, but yeah, no, it was actually, it's a great choice of music. It's a great, uh, I, I can see where you're coming from and talking about Memorial and the fact of it, it definitely holds a presence. And it's one of those, it's one of those sounds that, um, you know, it, it invokes feelings and that's what you want out of, out of a theme music. That's what you want out of a soundtrack. That's what you want. You want something that doesn't have to have anything to it other than the instrumentation and it invokes a feeling. It invokes a, a presence. And then when you have something like that, you know, you're pretty much golden with it. And the Rocketeer, uh, as funny as it sounds, I remember the movie. Um, like I, I could definitely see this particular piece of music being put to like several different movies. And it actually might have a better fit to it. But even even for this movie, I mean, uh, it, it's one of those feel good family type movies. So, yeah, I, I definitely see why they put it towards this track, um, right. but put the track to the movie. So, you know, I'm not too much mad at it. It was a good pick, though. 
Yeah. Just, just two in a row for you, Todd. I don't, I don't know how to act. <laughs> so. Yeah, that was a good one. This, this like brings me back to being a kid again. And uh, just Disney did this, right? It's a Disney yep. classic, mm-hmm. which I think is perfect for you, Taj. You, I think you have a lot of good picks from Disney. And <laughs> I don't have kids, so maybe that's it. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the Rocketeer is like, it, it's definitely like, it's it's not so that I remember that well, but I do remember seeing that. And I would have to watch it all over again because I totally forgot it. But uh, I, I like I like this song. I think it's really good. Yeah, it's weird because it's one of those that like it's like it it kind of became a cult classic, but wasn't a big hit as far as I remember when it came out. But Mm -hmm. and that's why I said the track itself had a longer life than the movie because like like the movie was like okay and then cult classic, but that track I swear was used everywhere afterwards because like this is such a good track we can't let it go and and people never really tied tied it to the movie. They were like, oh, this is just a great piece of music that they kind of lived past the, the, the movie itself. So, but yeah. yeah, the movie itself was too bubblegum. They, they really, <laughs> they really kind of missed the mark with the movie, oh, you, but you, I remember it. You had to go with the bubblegum. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. Because they used the bubblegum in the thing. It's like, oh, you sprung a leak. Here, give yeah. me some bubblegum. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I knew you would catch the pun. It's, it's right. definitely there. Um, but no, man, it's uh, I, you're right. It, it did definitely outlast the movie within itself. I know it, the movie itself became a cult classic, but not not to the extreme of other classics that we could think of. And this is this is one of those mid tier movies that Disney came out with that you know was popular from the start. Then people actually saw the movie and nobody wanted to go back and see it again. So. Um, but yeah, the definitely the soundtrack did its purpose and, and was used in several different movie uh um commercials and things of that nature. So yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. Damon, I think you're the next next contestant. Yeah, so um of course you got we all love movies and I think we all like horror movies and stuff too, but like this kind of, maybe this ties into Dracula pretty well. I don't know if this movie's really that well known, but it could be. And then they had like a TV show that had the same name. So everybody probably was like, oh, you mean Will Forte? I'm like, no. Um, I'm talking about The Last Man on Earth. This is a Vincent Price movie. From 1964. And it's directed by Sidney Selko. Um, and the, uh, what is it? Paul, uh, what's his last name? Paul Sinet, Sinet, Sinet? help me out, Brandon. <laughs> no, you got this uh, one. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this, uh, going back to the movie. So Vincent Price, I actually met, um, his daughter, Victoria Price at a convention that Brandon and I have gone to called Texas Frightmare Weekend. Pretty fun place to go. They, they do a lot of horror movie, uh, um, showings where they also have people that are actors and directors that you can meet and get stuff signed and all that but yeah so that was really be- nice to meet her and it, a lot of Vincent Price stuff I think is just really awesome one of the things that a lot of people know maybe is a thriller he does like the the voiceover at the end of the song Vincent Price but um, mm. he's done a lot of other really fun stuff it's like horror for like the family <laughs> so I I kind of like I, I would place stuff that Vincent Price has done but the Last Man on Earth is a movie about 
they say ghouls, like blood sucking ghouls. They're they're vampires, and that's just uh, yeah, that's a fun one. But yeah, the main title was uh, it's just like it's fast, it's scary. You know, you're running from something, and if you could imagine being the last man on earth, well, yeah. So yeah, I thought that was I thought that was uh, interesting to, to to see the first time I saw it and. Um, I want to say Paul Sattel. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but he was the uh, composer there. So, Joel, think. I need garlic. Ooh. Well, um, if there was going to be an outreach, this one was kind of like the reach, and it worked in a sense because it came out like March 4th. But it, at the same time, you know, back then, movies kind of took a while in order to pop up. So, you know, it definitely got seen over the summer during summer vacations and things of that nature. And that's what I actually got its build up for. And as far as um the the soundtrack itself, it hit the mark. It, it definitely hit the mark for that time frame. Uh, fun fact, I used to be scared of Thriller just because of Vincent Price. I whenever the song came on and before I even saw the video, I actually heard the song. And then when I actually seen the video, I was scared shitless for like three weeks straight. Not just because of the whole Michael Jackson thing, but mainly because of Vincent Price's voice. I could literally hear that voice in my sleep and I would wake up screaming because I'm thinking that he's going to send a ghoul after me. and It's going to come under, from under my bed. So thanks, Vincent Price. Fucking up my childhood for a good couple of months. But outside of that. Um, yeah, man, it was, it was a cool pick. It was a good, good time piece for that time frame. Um, I'd have to go back and rewatch the movie itself, um, to, to kind of get the best feel for it. But as far as the soundtrack itself goes, I'm cool with it. Yeah, it's like it's for. very much so instrumental, you know. Yes. And I, it, this might even be closer to like Taj's version of a I'll, jazz I'll hand or whatever. There. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, the it, what did you guys? What his first name was Fred? You said whose first name? The composer Paul Sautel. Oh, Paul. Okay, never mind. Okay, no. So I mean, it was um, for as far as a, a track. Uh, you know, it's very um, of its era for sure. Sweeping drama uh, type of music at the beginning there um, had had little elements that remind me of Perry Mason. <laughs> so I was like, uh, you know, but uh, you connected the dots with Perry Mason. That's cool. So, but yeah, no, it was, uh, but it's a good piece of uh, music for sure. Like, like I said, I'm not sure that I could, if I listen to it, maybe I could pull it out and, and match it to a movie, but I'm not, I'm not positive on that, but, but yeah, it was a good, good track for sure. And I liked it. And as far as the, the movie itself, I, I've seen it a couple times and, um, it's a oh, good, nice. yeah. So it, it that's a, a good movie, especially cause you don't really, they kind of set it up where like, you're not sure what's going on. And then when his wife shows up, you're like, is she a ghost? Is she like, you know, but it, it's interesting. So, but yeah, how that one ends. It, it's better than the butterfly on the Will Smith version. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm familiar with the movie more so than I am the music. Um, you know, I I know it was like the first adaptation of I Am Legend by Richard Matheson, and uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen the movie. The music wasn't memorable. That's not to say it was it was bad. It's just I don't remember the music. Like a lot of the music in the '60s, you know, I I don't I, for like a low budget horror film. 
you know, I, I don't know if there's like, this is not one that like sticks out for me, but listening to it, I, I did enjoy it. Um, I thought it, uh, yeah, I, it's effective. It, it definitely fits the mood and, and the bill for what the, the movie's about. And yeah. So, um, I'm not familiar with the composer, you know, I don't even remember who directed the movie, but I do remember seeing the movie and I remember liking the movie and I have a copy of it. Yeah. I just don't remember the music, but I did enjoy listening to that track. It, it was good. So. Yeah. Sidney Selko is the director. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not one that I'm familiar 60s, with. 60s, like 60s horror. And I can go back to like, like Night of the Living Dead too. Um, on Halloween, we always watch a movie and hand out candy. So I think one year we did, we were watching, um, my wife, Robin, wanted me to watch Last Man on Earth. And that's where I first saw this. And so that kind of brings me to that feeling of, you know, it's Halloween, it's spooky. It's kind of like, it's just like a weird magical night. I think it's one time where everybody just kind of gets together and like, you know, they're, they're walking around the houses asking for candy. But we're handing out candy and watching spooky movies. And this is like right there with like, you know, the older black and whites, you know, the night of living dead and last man on earth. Just gives me that, that sense of like, you know, like comfort almost, you know, but yeah, uh, yeah that music is definitely like it's characteristic of its time for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Diedrich. All right. So this pick is actually not the most popular pick for this particular movie, but that's kind of why I went with it at the same time, because the fun fact of uh, the actual composer of this track is actually a rocker itself. So, um, or himself. So let's, let's take this back. Let's go back to 1998. Um, you've got a film with Bruce Willis, Matt, oh, who was it? Um, was it Matt Damon? No. Ben Affleck's in it. Ben Affleck. There we go. Uh, and, uh, relatively known person by the name of Liv Tyler, um, whose father just so happened to be Steven Tyler, who just so happened to produce a track that was used in the movie and was basically the front runner for the movie called Don't Want to Miss a Thing about, uh, the movie is about, you know, a planet killer type asteroid projecting itself to come to earth and end all life as we know it. And they have sent a, a couple of oil drillers on a suicide mission in order to break up the, the asteroid. So we won't be destroyed. Um, and since I'm talking about 1988 movie Armageddon, um, the reason why I brought this up was because uh, the producer of that particular theme music for the actual movie, um, which is the Armageddon theme, not, uh, Aerosmith, don't want to miss a thing, but the actual theme for the movie itself, uh, was produced by him and his name was Trevor Revan. For y'all who don't know, uh, Trevor Revan is a guitarist. Um, most notably, he was part of the band called Yes, who had an album and a single. Or the album was uh, 9125, but the single itself was uh, Owner of a Broken Heart. Y'all remember that? That nice little 80s jam. So um, he actually, around 92 to 95, he actually started doing like little TV scores and things of that nature. And then around 95, he actually did a movie, Fair Game. Um, and then he was working with uh, 
uh, Jerry Bruckenheimer, which he, he got, became a long-term friendship and started uh, doing scores for Con Air, started doing scores for um, different different shows and, and things of that nature. Uh, most notably, like um, uh, Charter Broadcasting, uh, TNT, uh, NBA music for TNT when it came out. Yeah, that was him. Um, he also did a couple of other different scores. Um, from from different movies and stuff, but like, like I'm just trying to go off the top of the dome here. But um, most importantly, I I dig this particular theme um from the soundtrack itself because this of one didn't have any words in it. For two, um, it actually kind of invoked that that feeling of you know we got a little bit of hope and a whole lot of hopelessness going on around us, and what exactly are we gonna do? Um, in this particular situation. And, you know, I, I kind of felt like it could be one of those soundtracks or one of those themes that could be put on another movie like Jurassic Park and it would fit right in that type of feel. That's, that's the way that I got from it. But, um, I mean, if anybody else has something that's nice to say about it, go ahead and say it. But if you don't, then keep it to yourself. No, I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what do y'all think, man? So I'll go. I think I liked it. Um, I'm going to be honest. I can't remember if I've seen Armageddon or not. Okay. Okay. Uh, but the, oh my fuck! Okay. I know. I know. I know. Uh, All right, Taj, continue. Yeah, it's the, okay, Taj. <laughs> the the track itself is very stoic. Like it, it's very stalwart. Being stoic about it, it I, I like the track for that. Um, it, and I didn't mention this when I mentioned Top Gun, but it's, what's interesting about this, this one is very much the electric guitar with a full orchestra. <laughs> and it's, uh-huh. and it's interesting because like it, for the longest time, it's like you had rock with electric guitar separate and then you had orchestra and then uh, they slowly worked their way in. It's like, I want to be part of an orchestra in the movie soundtrack. And so it's interesting to have the, the electric rock guitar with a full orchestra. I don't know why it's, stands out is unusual but it for me it does but i think this track works well with it for sure so especially uh for the type of movie it is so and so who who did you say directed the movie michael bay michael Bay. Michael bay directed that's what that i was one. gonna say because the michael minute i heard it i was like a michael bay <laughs> like you can tell, like you need the electric rock guitar <laughs> for for a michael bay movie <laughs> Right, I now, need to hear he, fire and explosion. Right, <laughs> yeah. he um he uh he became friends with Jerry Bruckheimer, which opened up doors to come into actually instead of being uh, a guitarist or a rock artist, he actually that's what got him started in being a actual film composer, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak, and so, and working into that field. So that's what carried on um his tradition. He actually went back and formed another band. Of another version of Yes in like 2017, 2018. So he's gone back to rocking out, but he still has all these like score credits that he's making his buddy off of. So he's, he's doing a pretty good job for himself. Not bad. Great. Give me some popcorn and send me to the movies because that's where this movie takes me. Uh, I love that <laughs> feeling too. Like the 90s, uh, you got fucking Liv Tyler. I mean, that's, you know, you, and then her dad's doing like music in the. This was like an Aerosmith movie, really. I think it was Steven Tyler should have. He probably really produced it. I don't know if he did or not, but if he had anything to do with that. But yeah, um, yeah, this was a. This was definitely memorable. I think like we were really digging this movie at the time, just because of the music. 
that was in it and all the people that are in it are like pretty awesome so Ben Affleck you know he's part of the whole Clerks franchise and uh, yeah we were definitely big fans of that too and um, but at the time they were like the biggest upcoming you know up and coming stars and then you had like Lord of the Rings and Liv Tyler in that too and but those are all like these are all the big blockbusters uh, I think the movies were better then though I liked going to the movies more then than I would like today uh-huh. that was definitely one of them that I was just like man this movie is kicking ass summer blockbuster dude popcorn all day yeah yeah, and um, you know, definitely the Aerosmith song I think overshadows the score yes. to the movie for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean the the track is good, the score is good. Um, it's a very serviceable score, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's not it's not going to like it, it doesn't wow or blow me away, but it doesn't distract from the movie, and it make it the the music makes the movie move along at a very good pace and it is a very you know very action oriented piece of music and again like i said it's serviceable which is not i'm not complaining it's not i'm not being negative i think that's a good thing you know um so yeah i i like it i actually i think i have the score on cd somewhere so anyway it's good it's good am i a fan of the movie doesn't hold up for me but uh yeah, Michael Bay is hit or miss. Got uh, left off those CD cases, huh? So another one. Anyways, well, cool. All right, guys. Well, let's go ahead and get to our final round, round three here. Um, I just want to say really quick, it's a great time to be a collector of film scores. You know, I've been a collector of film scores for a long time, and uh, you know, back in the late '90s and early 2000s, it was hard to find some of the film scores. And one that I remember was not easy for me to find was actually the score to 1990s Total Recall. Um, the music was composed by Jerry Goldsmith. And, uh, you know, all three of the choice tracks that I picked are themes that I can hum immediately. And this is no exception. So the one I picked from the Total Recall soundtrack is actually the I would say the theme. The track is called The Dream. And that was by Jerry Goldsmith. Um, we've talked about Jerry Goldsmith already here, um, you know, multiple awards. We don't have to go down to go, go through them all. He did win an Academy Award for The Omen back in, I think, 1976. Um, the film was directed by Paul Verhoeven and, uh, the music was recorded in London with the National Philharmonic Orchestra. Um, it's an awesome score. It uses like brass instruments and string instruments with electrical sounds. Um, this track kicks all sorts of, of ass. Um, I totally enjoy it. I like the sound. It's awesome. Jerry Goldsmith actually said this was one of his favorite scores, one of his best scores that he ever did. And, uh, this is how awesome Jerry Goldsmith is really quick, too. So they were in the middle of recording the music and then they weren't done with the movie. They were still working on special effects. So Jerry Goldsmith walked away for a little while, went and did the score to Gremlins 2. And then he came back and finished Total Recall. Um, Jerry Goldsmith is awesome. This is a great track. Uh, it makes me feel like I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger when I listen to it. Uh, what did you guys think? 
I think you are Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, yeah, you know, he's got the, in the movie Total Recall, he's got the costume. He's like basically a riff sadist. Uh, yeah, that's what's happening here. Yeah, no, fucking awesome movie. Wasn't there like a wrestler in this movie too? Who's the wrestler in this movie? I think you're thinking Predator. Just oh, no, I think I'm Running Man. Fucking Schwarzenegger, all your awesome movies. Uh, yeah, Total Recall, like, being being in, like, so there's, like, a planet that they're on, right? And then he doesn't know if he's in a dream state. It takes that's, place, like, mostly on Mars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the dream is, like, that's so appropriate to be the, the pick for the soundtrack. Because that's really what's going on, you know? And, yeah, no, this is, like, the sense of urgency in the song is, like, it's totally there. But, yeah, obviously, Jerry Goldsmith is just going to fucking kick the shit out of this, and it's going to be awesome. And anything he does is great. So I agree with Brandon 100%. And, uh, yeah, I love this movie. That's definitely taking me back in time again. I'm a little kid again. Wishing I was Arnold Schwarzenegger's brother or something. But, yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, I liked it. Um, it, it, I, you know, I have fond memories of this movie for sure. Um, but yeah, it's, if I'm, if I'm correct, this, this track is cause, uh, that Toll Recall had opening credits, like, uh, it listed out the, uh, movie title and, and actors. And I want to say this track, or at least when I listened to this track, that's why I picture is like the sweeping, like opening credits where you're showing who's in the movie, like the, the name of the actors and all that. And so, but yeah, it's a it's an iconic piece of of sound for sure, and and it's totally is if it's for a title sequence, I can picture it for a whole title sequence for sure. Um, yeah, the, the um, you know I'm not sure if I could 100% place it with Total Recall, but the the as far as a piece of music, awesome for sure. So, um, but yeah, and it the you know the best Total Recall in in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> The only total recall. The only total recall. Yeah. We gotta stop doing yeah. that shit. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, this this is keep it keep it honest here. I got five kids to feed, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hell, if if you're gonna do it, do it all the way, bro. Like, um, just this is the only total recall for me. I don't I don't even acknowledge the other bullshit monstrosity to try to come out with although Kate Beckinsale was fine, so we're just gonna leave that there. So um this is what I'm gonna say about it. Um I definitely like this score. I definitely have this this has if you're talking about that whole action packed superhero not even superhero, just action packed hero um the last action hero type build like this this is in it this is it this is you you want to you want to take it to space it's in space you want to you want to have that grit to it it's got the grit to it you've got the ambient sound that you're looking for and it's literally in your face and i like it and that's that's exactly how i want my movie scores to be sweet Jordan, sweet cool yeah yeah plus plus it's in that era where like the the villainess is normally sometimes hotter than the main heroine. You're like, you know, dang, you know, she's a villainess, but she's damn hot, you know. And then the heroine, you're like, yeah, she she's okay. I'm I'm okay with either one, but you know, if I'm going to go bad, I might as well go bad. <laughs> well, see, that's the problem because when you go bad, you get killed. <laughs> <laughs> Usually the hottest chicks are the dang, the most deadliest to be with. So yeah, 
She's bad for your health. You ever trust a big button to smile? That's what I'm saying. That's good. All right. really good advice. Right. Yeah. Save my life, man. Well, let's get to Taj's final pick here. Taj, what do you got? All right. So my final pick. Um, so, you know, my first pick was, you know, uh, you know, iconic movie was classic track was classic. My second one, you know, the movie was kind of cultish and the track was a little bit better. This one, both the, the movie and the track itself is more a cult classic than like an, uh, a legendary one. I feel like, but maybe it is. I, I think it's, it's changed, but so the movie that I picked is a movie called Lady Hawk. Um, came out in 85. I want to say it was part of the British fancy wave that was going on in the 80s um what's most iconic about the movie probably is it's matthew broderick a year before ferris bueller came out so um but the soundtrack itself is such a it's you know because it's fantasy medieval like it's you think it's just going to be or orchestral and then it comes in with that heavy metal rock guitar at the end and you're like oh man this like this is like the most metal fantasy ever and it's just ah it, i love the movie i love the score um you know we this movie is probably to blame why we had night's tale later on 20 years later with 80s music which i've never seen that movie but i was like really a fancy movie with 80s music but i was like okay but uh this one it totally works because it's original music and um the track i picked uh was the um sorry hang on i'm just making sure i give the right track name so i did the main title so it's by andrew uh powell is the uh composer and he did it with the philharmonic orchestra But yeah, again, I'm a sucker for electric guitar in an orchestra. And I was like, this is, but this totally does it. This is like heavy metal in an orchestra. So, but uh, what did you guys uh, think? So it's, it's an interesting choice. Um, it, it is unique for sure. And it is definitely a product of the 80s, the, <laughs> that, that score, which isn't a bad thing by any means. Um, I haven't seen the movie in ages. I think the last time I probably right. saw it was back in the 90s. I swear we watched it in high school in class. Don't I don't know why. Um, but anyway, it's, it's been a long time. But yeah, no, I, I did enjoy it. I definitely need to return to the score. I do remember listening to it. Um, there's a, a company I like called La La Land Records. They release movie scores on CD. And they have this like collector special edition with like previously unreleased music. And I remember like clicking on like samples, like, do I want to buy this? And then I would listen to it going, this is really weird. I'm not sure. So now I need to listen to it on Spotify <laughs> to see if this is something that I need for my collection because it's unique. And uh, I, I do like it, but it is definitely unique. Like you don't expect that kind of music to accompany <laughs> <laughs> everything that's going on in that film. So. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's pretty good. It doesn't isn't Rugger Hauer supposed to be the love interest to uh, was it Michelle Pfeiffer in that movie? It's Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the only that's, thing I remember about that movie. That's, Michelle that's, Pfeiffer. Yeah. that's, that's a bit odd. But uh, <laughs> Roderick's good. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. Other than that, but no, yeah, 
it's I, I did enjoy it and I need to go listen to the score because obviously I feel like I'm I'm missing out on some little gem. So uh but yeah, it was it was it was fun. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Uh I'll say that um it, it definitely started off orchestra like and like you know, first minute and then it kicks up a notch with the whole rock theme coming into it. Although <laughs> I I don't know maybe maybe I need to go back and re-listen to it a couple of more times but that sounded more like a keyboard version of a rock guitar than an actual rock guitar um like they, they you know that's that's around literally around the time where they were importing sound kits into keyboards and 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 making it as such so you can you didn't have to have a guitarist in here in order to play you could just play the keys and it would come out like a rock sound so okay it, it definitely had that feel to it that electronic rock guitar type feel to it um outside of that yeah, I, I could definitely see the marriage between, you know, uh, the orchestra portion of the movie theme and the rock side of it that came out. And yeah, I, I when you said the other movie, um, you know, what was it? Uh, uh, Night's Tale or what did you bring oh, up? Oh, yeah, Night's Tale. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's exactly where I was going with it. That's, that's exactly the feel that I got from it. It's like, you know, it's supposed to be set in a medieval time frame, but... Uh, let's let's bring it up to date a little bit and see what they would think about this. So it's like, okay, that that threw me off, but at the same time, it had a good feel to it. It, it definitely had its chords and its and its ranges that it broke down within a bridge. So yeah, I, I like it. So yeah, it's like eighty cents, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the good old synth sound. That's what it was looking right. for. Think of the word. That's why. I, that's that's like the time that like Goonies were coming out, right? At that yeah. same time. Bit, bit. Yeah, but, and I think, like I said, I, I'm pretty sure this is part of that British fancy film era where mm-hmm. they, they, they were very, they were very distinct with their fancy films in the eighties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have a lot of horns going on too, right? Or is it all synthesizer? Mm-hmm. There's some guitar going on. Right. Like I, I like the the mix of keyboard, horns, and guitar. Yeah, it's all. Yeah, it's very yeah, it's very eighties. Like just feel good, you know. Maybe you're, maybe everything's going wrong, but when you see Lady Hawk, ah, I'm good. Right? Yeah, I like it. I like it for that weirdness of it. <laughs> Definitely, it's a, yeah, it's, it's like off the beaten path for sure. Right. Uh, it, that would be perfect for you, Taj. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it, but you guys have seen the movie, right? At least once. Long time ago. Yeah. I'm like, I'm long time rewatch. ago. I'll kind of rewatch it. I might rewatch a bunch of shit tomorrow. <laughs> Sunday, fucking sit around and watch weird movies. Yeah. Cinema Sunday. Mm. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. So, all right, Damon. Uh, we already got Saddle Sunday. We were good. Yeah. yeah. Damon, what's your what's your final choice? Uh, okay, so I'm probably going to butcher and fuck this one up because, you know, I know it's Brandon, one of Brandon's favorites. But, <laughs> but uh, uh, Suspiria. So Suspiria is – this is like a horror movie, but it's like one of those weird 70s. Like, I'm not a fan of the 70s. I was born in the 70s, but I don't know. Maybe I don't remember a, a second of it, so – and that's probably good. 80s were cool. But yeah, no, Dario Argento is the, uh, he's a director and producer, right, Brandon? Is he producer and director? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I got to meet him and I think Brandon did too. And, uh, I got something, something signed from that guy, but he basically, uh, he created something cool. And there's, there's a band called Goblin that does the like instrumental, uh, 
music for this movie. And so I picked the main title. I thought it was just creepy and fitting of the story uh, that takes place here with Suspiria where, um, you know, unsuspecting ballerina dancer, they you know, like, lo and behold, fall, falls trapped to this, like, I guess, like this uh, witch, the witch's uh, den. I don't know how to explain it, but very weird, like, um, Italian foreign, you know, horror and that's there's like a weird air about that too. The music really does, it really does fit for this, and the music brings the movie to where it needs to be. But yeah, I picked the main title because it was just so eerie and it creeps it right in. And then you know, you know, you're watching something fucked up. But it's very subtle. This movie is one of those subtle, you know, creeps up on you. But yeah, definitely uh, Claudio Simonetti. Simonetti. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but his father was a, also a composer, I believe. And he had passed away in Claudio's, you know, he, he was in Goblin and they did, they did a bunch of music, not just for Suspiria, but you know, that carried on and he's been in and out of the band too, I think. But uh, yeah, so this is like a, this is a 1977. So just before I arrived, but um, I'm sure there's lots of thoughts, maybe better articulated than what I could have presented, but uh that's yeah, that's definitely one of my favorites. And I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite films of all time, but it's definitely there as far as uniqueness and weird, but cool because it's weird. So Yeah, it's definitely weird. Um it, it definitely uh it, it struck those tones. You know, there's there's certain tones that you can hit that will you know, make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up, and it definitely had a couple of those inside of it. So, um, yeah, it was it was a pretty good pick, man. I'm not even mad at it. I was I was trying to figure out where it was going because it was kind of fluid. Um, but you know, for overall overall stance for what it was supposed to be coming from, I could definitely see the eeriness and and um, you know, that that ominous feeling of yeah, some shit's about to go down. So. I got that out of that. So you cool get the pick. drums, the drums and the keyboard. I think were like the real. That's that 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 like real weird draw, you know, where they get that sound. Like another kind of like a, I guess maybe it's like an Italian synth. I don't know. It's, it's a distort. It's a distort that yeah. they on top of, and it's a filter, and it, it definitely, um, it definitely hit a couple of nerves, and that's when you know you you've got something that's pretty good. Um, you know, anybody could just kind of throw something together and try to make it sound like it's something, but but this was actually strategic in its placement, so I was not mad at all. Yeah, and I, I'm a big fan of Goblin. Um, I have a lot of Goblin yeah. soundtracks, and uh, you know, there's there's different branches of Goblin uh, these days. Um, but yeah, that stuff they did in the 70s uh, and early 80s, uh, I, I love and. Suspiria is definitely one I one of my favorite themes that they ever did, um, and uh, it's very effective. Works with the movie; uh, it adds to the whole, you know, surrealness to the whole film, the fairy tale to the whole movie. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 great music. Check out Goblin. Um, yeah, some some masterwork for sure. I mean, just so good. Um, yeah, check it out. It's, it's a great choice. Now, if I if I listen to the right track, which I'm pretty sure I did, like it's only a minute long, 
it, it conveys a lot. <laughs> then I didn't listen to the right track. Okay. The, no, you didn't listen to the right one. Okay. Cause, cause the one I, cause it was the main title one is the one that I listened to, but, um, but that one, like it, it comes in and it, it, it seems like it's, everything's calm and nice and, uh, ballet. And then it just, goes into total chaos you're like okay it, this is totally setting up w- what this is you know that that things are going to start out nice and calm and then you're, you're going to get into horror chaos type of thing so but yeah 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 but i think i think you get the, i think you get the vibe yeah for, for sure. sure i do get and you've had yeah, to heard it. i'm pretty sure you watched the movie i you could have sworn so. i made you watch it one of these days i, I, I thought you did, yeah. it's like a six minute song but yeah okay. so you hear like it's almost like the same time as is it the same time as the Omen stuff like that. Omen came out in seventy six. Yeah, yeah. So pretty close to that. You get that seventies kind of. I mean, you hear like some like bells, and then you hear some like whispering. You know, something something bad is coming after you. Like they just they did a really good job of just setting the mood. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a it's a creepy one, man. Um, yeah. almost saw Claudio Simonetti live, <laughs> but he was sick. Uh, Brandon and I were at Texas Primary Weekend one year and they, they had that, the whole setup with Suspiria and yeah, almost saw him live. Hmm. But yeah. All right. Let's get to the last choice track. And that one belongs to Diedrich. Diedrich, what's your choice? So the last one is probably. I don't want to just throw this out here, but I'm going to just go ahead and say it. it's probably the most iconic on the list. Um, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, bolster anything of that nature, but I am trying to break a little bit just because it's John Williams. I mean, for those of y'all who know, John Williams has had a career that's spanned out through decades. Uh, you know, of course, this one in particular, but, um, you know, Star Wars, you know, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Superman, E.T., Home Alone, Indiana Jones, yada, 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 right? So not trying to overlook him and everything he does, because we could actually do a whole episode on his work and what he's put out. But um, this song in particular, it took only two notes to basically bolster this song into being one of the best soundtracks that ever came out for a movie, especially around that time. And I'm talking about the movie Jaws. And it's the note E and the note F, uh, distinctively in that simple, like, piano tone that actually, you know, took it to the track to a whole nother level. Um, he presented that to Steven Spielberg, which actually set off his career. And he, he actually gave John Williams credit in several interviews, um, as such as saying that if it wasn't for that particular track, the, the whole, um, movie itself would not have been as spectacular as it was or would not have gone to the lengths in which it did. So it kind of basically bolstered his career. It actually jump-started everything. So uh, this particular track uh, it was released in 1975 with the movie and, you know, it's, it's it's definitely short, but it's it's one of those that doesn't need to be long by any means. You can literally get the sense of you know, ultimate doom coming around the corner and he wanted to have that feeling of, of the chase and the, and the grinding of your bones in which he put that into the track. And that was the ultimate feel that came out of it. So I don't have to say too much about it. What do y'all think? So it, I, I like the track a lot. Uh, it's very, uh, w- what I think what's interesting about this one is 
um, most of the other uh, tracks, like the the modern, even the modern ones, they kind of build what the ambient noise is. This one just uses natural ambient noise, so it uses silence uh, as part of the the song in a sense. Um, and so uh, the fact that um, it, it's you know envisions a shark coming out of, like you see nothing and it comes out of nowhere. Uh, you know, the shark attacks and then the shark just swims back into nowhere. Like it's something coming out of the shadows, attacking and then going back into the shadows. And that's very much what uh, I think of when I hear this. And it's like I said, it's iconic that uses the natural silence. It doesn't build an undertone to it. It's just like we're going to use complete silence and then just build on top of it. So, Yeah. yeah. Emptiness definitely plays a part uh, yeah. within the track itself, and and that's kind of the eerie feeling on on top of. And he actually went back and and he redid that with with several different orchestras and such. So um, it was one of those situations. It's like, okay, I see where you're going with this, Mr. Williams. Yeah. Um, it's you know, it's it's one of those tracks that's so iconic and and so self standing. And there's a lot of different movie themes and soundtracks that we could think of, you know, that, that has that kind of feel to it. But this is one of those that is kind of empty and compared to the rest of them, but it mm-hmm. still gets the full effect. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And when, when you told me, when you told us your choice, I was like, uh, Jaws, John Williams, never heard of him. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Get out. I'm curious. I'm curious. So I'll have to check this out. You know, and and uh, it's not very memorable. No, I'm kidding. Of course, <laughs> of course, it's iconic. I mean, it's such a simple piece of, of music, and it's the most effective. You know exactly what it is, and it is emulated and copied all the time. It's so good. Um, highly, highly recommend checking it out. So nice, Damon. Okay. What you got, man? Yeah, I think I think even with this, like. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, everybody, kids, adults, whatever, they know the song from Dana, 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 Dana. You know, that's just like that's that's known everywhere. This this definitely was like you know you stole the show with this one for sure, and you can't go wrong with Steven Spielberg and John Williams combo. I mean, that's just gonna kick the shit out of anything. But uh, yeah, I I love it. I love the that it's set it's set like in. New York or Long Island. I believe it's supposed to be there. I don't know if it was shot there, but that's, um, yeah, that's definitely like really cool background with that. And that whole movie is just awesome. This is around the, I want to say, what time did Jaws come out? It's definitely seventies. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The seventies had some good horror. I mean, they had like a really good thriller and the fact that like, uh, you got a shark that's like, the the monster and it's a real thing that exists that's what's so scary about it. it's like after this and hearing that like nobody wants to go swimming i mean they're like yeah i'll stick to the pool oh wait piranha just came out fuck but uh yeah, yeah. this it's, is definitely definitely cool and i love this yeah like everybody was already afraid of sharks this just turned the shark or a great white into an apex predator. So yeah, it, it, it definitely gave them more of a more of a nefarious feel than what we originally already had about them. 
just for the way that the movie was portrayed. So just for the fact that the soundtrack not only equally met the movie, but like transcended the movie within itself and, and made carried the movie is crazy. It pulls your focus too. You got the bells going in the background, and then you got like the the, the string orchestra and you know the drums and everything. It's just like it really does pull your focus to the movie. And like as soon as you hear that, you know that that motherfucker's coming. So <laughs> better, better get a harpoon or a bigger motherfucking boat because this shit's gonna go down. Now, Somebody's oh, yeah. gonna die. Yeah. No. The the one thing. Okay. I do want to just ask this. Um. So I like John Williams. Don't don't get me wrong. And most of his stuff is iconic. But I know I know especially when you compare Star Wars. I know George Lucas wrote listening to different music, and he was like, "Hey, this is the music I listened to while I wrote it." And John Williams kind of builds off of those elements. There's a part in the middle of Jaws. That sounds very much like the Rite of Spring, which is a classical piece of music. And so that's why I'm wondering, like, is I mean, to to be so iconic, but then to have elements that sound like music that may have been used when somebody wrote it. Do you think that's just John Williams being John Williams? Or do you think part of that is that he's building on such a strong foundation of of previous hits? Does that sound like a weird, weird question? I I don't know. I'm not. I'm. I I'm don't okay. want to say the wrong thing, so I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, gotcha. All right, well, I'll, I'll say. I'll say that I think what you're hearing is like you're hearing what you hear in other types of music too. So it's yeah. the time. It's they're doing the same thing too. They're doing the same kind of thing for like soundtracks, and they're they're composing music, and you're hearing the style. I think more than like I don't okay. think John Williams is trying to do what you know they did in Star Wars, but. Uh, maybe anybody at that at their caliber would be doing that. Okay. Is what I think, and it, and it could it could definitely still be happening today. I think what what is unique about orchestra and like like symphony and sound, you know, the soundtracks to movies and stuff like that is that they're almost timeless. So like you can do something like that today, and you're not going to say, "Oh, that must have been done in the '70s." But to the trained ear, the classically trained ear, you might hear the differences. Mm. But I think that in that style of music, you're going to hear similarities. And that's just what was big. Just like today, like rock or rap or anything that, you know, and in a genre, they're going to have similarities, too. Gotcha. That makes sense. Trying not to rip each other off. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And to someone like me, the untrained ear, but just like appreciates music. You know, it, it it would be it'd be hard to tell. But yeah, I mean, there is definitely pieces of music in jazz that are very classical, like especially mm-hmm. when they're on out on out on the uh, the water and they're hunting right. for for the shark. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Um, but anyway, well, I think we should probably go ahead and uh, pick up that that needle here. Um, I pre- we really appreciate you guys listening to the special episode. Uh, make sure that you go visit your local movie theater. Check out lots of movie scores. They're awesome. Um, Taj, anything you want to say? Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, please uh, find us on our website at choicetracks.com or email us at choicetracks at gmail.com. Please subscribe and listen to all past and future episodes. Let's go and sign out. I've been Taj. I'm Brandon. I need some popcorn. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm Damon. Yeah. Okay. And Deidre was actually just swallowed by the shark. Um, 
Oh my god! Why, why I gotta be the one to die? <laughs> oh, you're here. You're here. Every single time. Oh my god. Okay. Uh, I think I need. I guess something. I need a tissue. I'll be right back. You, you shedding a tear for me, bro? Okay. <laughs> uh, I think it was over your pick for Armageddon. Gets me every time, man. <laughs> Yeah, I'm Dietrich, and uh, we're going to pick up the needle, but you keep spinning those choice tracks. <laughs> <laughs>